comes first, Jesus. Your word says that God loves us first. We love him because he loved us first. And how did he demonstrate that love? He demonstrated his love by dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world. For the sins of you and me. And we owe Jesus everything. We owe him our lives. We owe him our worship. We owe him just every part of us. And that's why we sing this song. Because so many times, without realizing it, we put other things before God. We put games and hobbies and work and so many things before spending time with God. And as you sing this song, declare to him that he can take all of that, all your worries, everything. Surrender to him. Raising your hands is an act of surrendering to God. If you didn't know, you could raise your hands to Jesus in the faith. If you say, Jesus, you could take all the junk in my heart. You could take all the worries from my mind, you can take my life, Jesus. And I guarantee you that he will free you and he will make sure that he is the first love in your life if you fight for that as we sing this together. I don't want any
temptation, okay? His pain, your gain, bring the whole family. We do this, we do powerful illustrations and presentations every year for Easter. Now, it's not for us, okay? It's for the community, it's for you guys' family and friends who don't know the Lord. Come and bring them, we'll preach the gospel to them, and hopefully God will save someone on that day. Amen. Hopefully they'll respond to the gospel message. It is for your family and for your friends. Come and check it out. Amen. Now, to get to our vision, okay, we are Metro Praise, Wicker Park Campus. We have another campus in Irving Park. We Our vision is to love God and love people, okay? We want to love God because... Because Jesus said the two greatest commandments is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So that is our vision, okay? That is our long-term ideal future that we want to see, okay? We want to see people loving God. We want to see people loving other people, okay? Now, those two commandments go hand in hand, okay? It's not just one and leave the other out, okay? If you just want to love God, then you're neglecting your neighbor, not helping your neighbor in the time of need, okay? We need to go out there and help our, our neighbors, okay? Our friends, family, our our literal neighbors, okay? The people who live next door, don't ignore them, you know, standing in the forest and in the backyard with a fence like home improvement with with uh, <laughs> and, and his neighbor, I forget his name. But Wilson, yeah, Wilson. <laughs> you, you can see them, you know, as long as you can see their eyes, you know, you, you can, they can, you know, you can tell a lot about you know, people with their expressions, okay? <laughs> so, that was kind of hard to explain. Blew <laughs> <laughs> out my mind. Okay, but you can talk to your neighbor, a simple, hey, hello, you know, to break the ice. You know, some people, you know, part of my, part of my testimony is I grew up very timid. I was really shy. And so a miracle that God did in my life is to be able to stand before you guys and speak. Amen. Before, I would, I would stutter ten times as much as I'm, I'm doing now. And mm -hmm. words were flowing out of my head instead of in my head and flowing out of my mouth. <laughs> 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 uh, so it was a miracle that I can stand before you guys Amen. With, with confidence of what God has done in my life. And I believe wholeheartedly that, that God can use us here and you use me for once to speak into your guys' lives but also for you guys to go out there and speak in other people's lives, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, to get into people's lives and, and just preach them Jesus. You know, not, there's, the gospel is two-sided. You know, there's, there's a lot of grace in the gospel. And a lot of times we, we see a lot of preachers, they go out there and they, they just preach hellfire. You know, fire and brimstone. You know, a lot of preachers want to go out there and just call down the brimstone. You, know, you wicked sinners, you know, you're going to hell. Although Jesus did talk about hell more than he talked about anything else, which is true, okay, but it's two-sided, okay? The people who know Jesus, they are going to hell. But we need to preach that love to them as well. It's, it's two-sided. Okay? Some people get saved by just hearing Jesus loves you. Other people get saved by hearing uh, that they need to turn away from their sin and that they're going to hell. There's a little bit of fear in that. But it's got to be two-sided, okay? Uh, grace and truth, and truth, okay? So... Our vision is loving God, loving people. Okay, we, we love God by worshiping Him, by adoring Him. My wife will be talking about this today. And we love people by helping them in their times of need. Okay, and how we go about doing fulfilling that vision of seeing that vision come to pass. Okay, when we have a vision set before us, a target to aim at, like I talked about last week. In order to get to that target that we're aiming at, we need to do something. We need some type of action. Okay, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Okay, so in our faith, let's act out. Let's act out in, in, our, in our actions doing something, okay? And how we do that is our strategy. Connect, mentor, and center. Once they connect. Connect. Yes. Uh, connect 
people say God, okay, we want them to preach the gospel, we get them to connect with God. Then you get connected to a life group and into discipleship coming next, mentor. Okay? So you preach the gospel, get them connected into a church, a good church, metro praise, a Bible study. You know, they don't want to say that to metro praise, but as long as they get connected to a good Bible church, which is essential for you know for growth. Well, we, get them, we also have a life group. We get them connected to a life group. Why? Because it's, it's more of a, a, a less formal or it's more of an informal setting, more like a house setting. Some life groups meet in houses. Some, our life group on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. we meet here. We set the chairs a little differently so it's more comfortable. We dim the lights a little bit so it's more like a home feeling. So it would be welcoming. We, we also have coffee. We have other snacks as well, more snacks. I mean, we don't have snacks today, but uh, life groups we do. <laughs> uh, all they do is pitch in, they get some snacks to people. Beforehand, we go out evangelizing. So join a life group, and you can also tell your friends and family to, when they get connected, to join the life group because it's, it's, you get that fellowship time. The Bible talks about, especially in the book of Acts, you see fellowship you know, all throughout. And what that is is the believers get together, they hear the word of God, they worship, and they just enjoy life together. Okay, so everyone say mentor. Mentor. After after joining a life group, within a life group, you can ask someone to, to get into, you ask the leader in the life group to go to the one-on-one. Okay, seven steps of spiritual growth. It's not the Bible. We don't claim that it's the Bible. <laughs> but there's principles that we've taken from the Bible. That's right. And there's, there's scriptures and parentheses that you can look at. And so, so you know that. And the Bible says that, that, that we should be studying the scriptures to, to, to see what the preachers are saying is true and from the Bible. Okay, so that's what we do. We, we take the biblical principles, the principles from the Bible, and we put them into a book. Easily, easy to read, seven steps of spiritual growth, the first one-on-one. And then after that you go into the two-on-one. Okay, so leadership class, 12 lessons in Christian leadership. Okay, so you get connected to this. How many how many two-on-ones do I have here? Woo! A lot of two-on-ones, how many one-on-one? church, you know, and that's it, you know, Amen. and drop a few pennies into the offering. Okay, Jesus calls to be disciples. The Great Commission passage in Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, go, therefore, therefore go to all nations, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that's commanded you. Okay, so Jesus has told disciples to go and make disciples, okay? And what a disciple is, is a follower, a follower of Jesus Christ of his commands. You know, obeying his commands, loving God, loving people. That is a disciple. Amen. You can learn more about disciple in the 201, which the 101 to the 201, you can learn about what disciples are, uh, what disciples have, what disciples do. Okay? So a disciple is, is, is free. Okay? Free from all past sins, free from all uh, anything that entangles them in sin that the Bible talks about. What disciples have, disciples have a blessed home. They live a balanced, they have a balanced life. Okay, what disciples do, they build a local church to defend their faith, and so on and so forth. All 12 lessons in that book. So everyone say send. Send. So after that, after you get connected to the church, and after you go through mentorship, you get sent out. My wife and I were sent out to pastor this campus. We were sent out. We were ordained as elders. And we are now eldering 
pastoring, overseeing this ministry, okay? When you go through the Bible, especially the epistles written by Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy. Okay, Timothy was a pastor in the, in the church of Ephesus. He was young. And he told he told Timothy, he said, he said discharge all the, the, the duties of your ministry. Preach the gospel in season out of season. And that's what we're doing here, and we want to see you guys do the same thing. So we're building you guys up to go out and do the same thing, to make disciples, okay? It's, it's a joyful thing. It's a great thing to, to be in the work of the Lord, amen? Amen. And then we have an ultimate goal of 100,000 disciples. Like I said, not just regular church attendees, but disciples. People are going to follow after God will work. And now some of us, and we have a Bible school called SUM, School of Urban Missions. Some of us are called to full-time ministry. My wife and I are called to full-time ministry. We're going to have to work a, a non-Christian job in order to, to pay our bills until we get on staff and pay staff, okay? But until then, we're going to have to work a second job. But we're called to full-time ministry. We're called to, we're called to have a tent at the other side, quote-unquote. Now, some of you aren't called to full-time ministry, but you can still be a disciple, okay? Yeah. Paul was in full-time ministry, but he also had a job on the side of the king tent. And... 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and to plant 500 churches around the world, okay? Right now we have just over 200 churches with, with our churches in North and Southern India, uh, Pakistan, Nigeria, Nepal, and now the Philippines. We just added on about 10 churches to, uh, from the Philippines. Missions goes to these pastors for their internet so they can meet weekly with our uh, with our pastor who oversees all the churches. Uh, their internet money, we give them materials. Our, our materials, since they're under our vision, they come under us. They they get our materials, the one on one and the two on one book, and some other materials that we have. And these books cost money, so we, we get the books printed and we send them out, and they cost money. Uh, we also give them any any other things that we can give them. For example, one one pastor in in India and he's a, a moped. Some type of bike to get around because he pastored five churches. Five churches there in Ujawala. And he needed something to be able to transport him from church to church. Okay, if he's doing it all in one day, he needs to get around pretty fast. So we got him a moped and, and now he's riding that thing like like nothing else. <laughs> And then 500 churches around the world is our goal. Like I said, we have just over 200, so we have um, roughly 300 more to go. Amen. Amen. So our, we have, in our giving campaign, this is where we are at, a total of $5,000 um, that we want to raise. We have risen just or raised just over $1,025, and we have $3,925 to go. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, keep this on your hearts, guys. Keep this on your hearts because... So this money is going to go back to the Urban Park campus because they poured money into us, okay? They were generous to give money to us. They have a pimp off this place. <laughs> now, so half that money is going to go back, and the other half, the other 2500 is going to stay here, okay? And with that money, we're going to do so much. Okay, we'll probably get more furniture because some of our plans are, you know, to make this in a cafe during the week, free coffee and food enough for, for the community. But if you want to community, let them over here that they will serve them. And to do many other things that we have planned, okay? So keep on your heart throughout the week. Uh, before I go any further, I want you guys to go to Deuteronomy chapter 16, okay? When you're there, say amen. Deuteronomy 16. 
Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 7, or verse 13. Let's go there. Okay, he says, Celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered the produce of your, of your threshing floor and your wine press. Be joyful at your feast, you, your sons and daughters, your men servants and maidservants, and the Levites, the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live who live in, in your towns. For seven days, celebrate the feast to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. The Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Okay, so here, here God is saying, for the people everywhere, okay, so the foreigners that have come to the land, the, the whole families, okay, to come together and celebrate. Okay. How many would like to celebrate? Well, we all we all like to celebrate. Okay, we celebrate birthdays, we celebrate holidays, and sometimes sometimes you know holidays. You know, for example, Christmas. You know, Jesus' birthday, but we kind of give gifts to each other to God. Okay, so it's kind of mess around. It, it's mixed around. But but here God is saying for everyone to come together and, and to celebrate. Okay, we all like to celebrate. Yeah. And it says. For the Lord, for the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. So this type of celebration is is God saying, okay, come and celebrate the work of your hands, every all the, the work that you've done throughout the year. Come and celebrate. I I would like that. Okay, I would like to. You know, the Bible says I have some type of Sabbath day. Okay, to take a Sabbath day's rest and rest. Okay, so works work hard. Your heart is six days, and on the seventh day rest. I like to rest, okay? Sometimes I rest a little too much. I admit that. Because mm -hmm. um, I don't have a job right now. It's a full-time school and, and ministry, so I have extra time on my hands. But I, I, I've, I've worked hard before, and I like to rest, okay? So coming to that celebration, and we're, we're, now we're just celebrating, you know, all the stress that we have from, from work or, or, or school or something. Now it's lifted up because we're so we're celebrating, we're happy, we're where we want to be, and God is blessing us for that. How many would like to just celebrate and in the meantime God blessing us from the work that we did? Amen. Amen. Verse 16. Three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. Okay, and these feasts, okay? These three times at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Okay, and we kind of see this. This is this is what this is what we're talking about when we when we say tithe. Okay, tithe is ten percent. Now he doesn't go into the the percentage of it. He doesn't necessarily say it's tithe, but says each of you must bring a gift in proportion. To the way the Lord your God has blessed you, and we see, we see earlier on in, in Genesis when um, when Abraham gave a tenth of his possessions to Melchizedek. Okay, so but let's go to right before verse seventeen. It says, "No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed." Okay, the tithe is ten percent of your total income. So imagine the, the however however you give however you you choose or decide to give you five, 10 percent of your total income. So imagine that number being at 10 percent, or your total income, and then move your decimal 
over to the tenths of that number, that's your tie. Okay, so $100 is $10. Ten dollars tie. A thousand? Okay, you guys know your math. Good. <laughs> now I thought I can move on. Offer is going to be good beyond that 10%. So 10% of $100 is $10. So that's your tie. And then what do you get beyond that? It's an offering, okay? But here's the thing. No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. So when we come to celebrate, we look at Sundays, we look at Sundays as a time of celebration, okay? We celebrate every week as a congregation coming together to celebrate God, to celebrate what He has done, to celebrate all the works that He has done in our lives, and what He's going to do, we come to celebrate, okay? So Sundays we celebrate. What have you guys brought today to bring to the Lord? Okay. Now it's not just financially, okay? That's right. It's not just financially, but today I'm talking about time. I'm using this verse to, to talk about it. Okay? What have you guys brought before God? He says, No man should appear before the Lord empty handed. What is in your hands? What have you come to decide to give? Okay? We we have that giving campaign. And in order to do things, in order to keep these lights on, to pay our rent, mind you guys that at the end of this month, the 1st of April, we have to, our rent goes up to 1500 So for the past three months, we've only been paying $500 for rent a month. And then we have paid bills, we have to get the furnace fixed because people that are working on this place, uh, doing a couple of events and stuff, and kept the, the heat running because it was in mid-December or late December, early January is cold. And so all the, all the dust from this wall that we built got into the furnace and we had a pay for it. You guys know about it. I talked about it. Um, so, we, so the money went to that. And so by, by April, $15,000 a month is going to be our rent. Okay, so we need to get that plus a little bit more to pay our utilities. I believe we can do it to move on. We're going to go from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. Each of you must bring in gifts in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Let's go to Mark 12. I'm sorry, Leo. Please go faster. Oh, yes. Mark 1241. Jesus, are you there? Amen. Amen. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting the money into the temple treasury. So Jesus was sitting right before, right in front of the offerings, wherever they were at that time. He was watching people come by and drop their money in, okay? Now, if we relate that to today, our offering thing is back there on the wall. If you relate that to the, today, imagine Jesus standing right beside the thing and then watching you as you put your offering in. Imagine how convicted or scary that would be for us, for those of us who aren't giving generously to what you have decided in your own life. Even a tithe, offering, if you if you giving not out of a joyful heart, but out of a, out of a heart, a greedy heart, oh, I want to keep this for myself. I want to keep this for my four, no more, just my family, me, my wife, and my two kids. Imagine how scary that would be. Jesus watching us, and then as we drop it in there, he's like,
25, verse 42. But a poor widow came and put it in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. So here is a poor widow. A poor widow. As you know, widows, most likely a woman in this day, she loses her husband, most likely has kids. Now, because she lost her husband, the husband, more so than now at that time, was uh, the breadwinner. The husband went out and, and worked with his hands, worked as hard as he could in whatever occupation, and he made the money. He brought it home, he, he got the food, his, his wife cooked it, and the kids enjoyed, of, enjoyed the food, enjoyed of the, the father's hard work. Now he dies, and then this, this woman's all alone. She's all alone, she doesn't have money. Whatever money she, she, she gets, she has to get it all together to buy food for her children so her children can eat. If her children are older, most likely they're out of the house, and so therefore she's alone. And then she has to do so many other things to be able to survive, pay taxes at that time as well, because once a year they came along and they, they wanted to gather taxes. Poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins with only a fraction of a penny. Now, two copper coins only worth a fraction of a penny. That's not much. Like today, I mean, I don't want to carry change on that. I mean, I'm going to change my pocket. I do. It's very rare, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, I hate carrying change in my pocket. And then that's, that's 50 cents, not a lot. But imagine if if I had just put that out, you know, this is the smell, you know. For some people, it's a, it's a lot. They don't have anything, yeah. okay? But this this person did not have a lot. She did not have a lot. 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. He all gave out of their wealth, for she out of her poverty, but in everything, all she had to live on. So those two pennies worth a fraction of a, those two coins worth a fraction of a penny was all she had. Imagine what she, she could have been thinking in the back of her head. Oh, should I put this in there? I have to, I, I have to give this to you know, the person that, that's helping me out because they let me some money earlier. Or I have to use this for food to pay, uh, to, to feed my kids. I have to give this you know, as part of my taxes, the back taxes that I owe from the past so many years that my husband has been gone. Imagine all the excuses that could have been uh, going in and out of her head. And reasons, excuses not to give, just that little amount. But Jesus said it was all that she had. She gave all that she had. She wasn't worried about that. And we can see the promises in the Bible where, where God says that if we give, it will be given unto us. Okay, so she gave with the expectation of receiving that God was going to supply her need, her every need. So I encourage you guys today, whatever excuse is going through your head, okay, examine those excuses, okay? Some of them might be wise, you know, wise thoughts going through your head and trying to get you, you know, to, to be wise, okay? The Holy Spirit might be saying, okay, don't give all you have because then you're gonna, it's going to be more, uh, more detrimental for you in the end. But examine them closely, okay? Let God speak to your heart to give, okay? To give sacrificially. Amen? Amen. Amen.
Philippians 4, 19 is the first way to confess out loud because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so we confess this verbally and we believe by faith that God is going to supply all of our needs. And when we hear it from each other and when we speak it, it gives, it builds our faith, okay? Uh, Jude says to build yourselves up in, in the most holy faith, okay? And, and pray in the spirit, okay? This is praying, praying the word of God, amen? So let's, let's confess this. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. So just rejoice as you give. You can give online and let your praise out, Lord. And um, we have a drop box in the back. Put your name on it. Uh, and if you're a first-time giver, put your address and just drop it in the box. And we'll take care of it from there. I thank you guys for all that you've done. We, every month, okay, every month, our, our monthly income that, that you guys have given has gone up, okay? So we're, we're keeping track of what we need to do. You guys have been giving sacrificially. I thank you for that. And this is your church, okay? It's not my church. I don't get, I don't get an income from this church. That's right. Even our, our the pastor above us does not get an income from the church. Okay, so everything we do, we do for free. And as you know, the retreat that we had in January, we it was those of, you, those of us who could not pay the retreat was was seventy five. What was it? Almost fifty dollars. Fifty dollars per person that, that we were charging, but those who didn't have fifty dollars could come for free. Okay, we we scholarship about sixty people that could not pay that fifteen dollars. Okay, so that put us that put us in, in the negative. Okay, so we we try to make up for that at the other campus, and so we are giving church. Okay, so the money that you guys give helps us to give out to the community as well. So and it. it it also gives back to you, okay? Because you guys are getting fed here. We have 101 people, we have 201 people. And some of, some of the 201s are gonna be graduating in the next year if they become uh, deacons and elders. And you guys will be able to go out and do the same thing. I praise God for this occasion, and we, we evangelize throughout the week. We do life groups, we help people, we do uh, events that we're gonna give away stuff. We're having a, a chili event. This uh, the thing of this month, uh, Battle of the Beans. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of uh, people making chili. Um, so if you want to come through, make some bomb chili. Or be so, a judge. Or be a judge. If you don't make chili, just be a judge and just test some. <laughs> uh, I'll probably be a judge. <laughs> but uh, so thank you guys. Okay? Thank you for what you have done. What you guys put in is what you got, what you're going to get out. That's great. Father God, I thank you. For this congregation, God, I thank you for their, their hearts, their, their, their giving hearts, their generous hearts, God. I pray that you just, Lord God, use them, Lord God, to be a blessing, Lord God, here in this community, Lord God, to give sacrificially, Lord Jesus, so that we can do more, Lord God, so we can go out there and preach the gospel, to go out there and, and serve the community in every way that we can. Not only through your spirit, Lord God. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, God. Lord God, move on our hearts, Lord God, to give sacrificially. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, I am so happy. <laughs> I was trying to take a word. I'm so happy to introduce you guys for the first time ever. And this campus, my wife, to preach, okay? She's going to be preaching.
know me, which pretty much everybody does by now. My name is Vanessa, Vanessa Vitale, and that's my husband, Chris Vitale. And this is my first time preaching in this building um, as far as Sunday service. I usually teach the Bible studies on Tuesday. That's my honor and my privilege. But today I'm going to be teaching on a continuation of the sermon series we're on right now, which was on vision. Can everybody say vision? Vision. Amen. So, there we go, it's up there. All right, so vision. Last week we talked about vision. My husband's the one who taught that um, sermon. And now I'm going to teach on a part of our vision, which is loving God. I'm going to elaborate. Everybody say elaborate. Elaborate. Great. Amen. Who's excited? Yeah. Yeah. Would you please open up to your Bibles in Mark chapter 12? And as you go there in your Bibles, I'm just going to talk a little bit about vision to recap on what was taught. Vision, according to the dictionary, is the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination and wisdom, or wisdom. An example of this is the organization had lost its vision and direction. Now, when we talked about it in the Bible study on Tuesday, we were talking about Habakkuk chapter 2. Now, who remembers Habakkuk chapter 2? If you were there in real life, you'd say, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> All right. So, the Bible says in Habakkuk 2, verses 2 through 4, to take the vision and make it plain so that a herald may come and carry it with them. And it will be easily accessible, easily viewed. That's pretty much the point of that. And so, my little definition of vision, we heard the dictionary definition, but my definition is that vision creates a standard that creates unity and that which allows those who follow it to anticipate the fulfillment of a goal. So vision, like for example, loving God, loving people, holds everyone to a standard. So everyone here, they're here because they believe in loving God and loving people, amen? Mm -hmm. And so that holds everyone who comes here to this vision, and it directs our path. You saw up there that there was a goal. Everybody say goal. Goal. The goal was 100,000 disciples, 500 churches around the world and 50 in Chicago, right? That's a big goal. But if you don't have vision to direct your path, you cannot accomplish this goal. So today, you might be thinking, how does vision apply to my life? Some of you in here are fashion designers, are massage therapists, you know, digital designers, artists, students. And you might be saying, how does vision apply to my life? How could I grasp this in, in just, how can God use me in this area? Well, first what you need to understand is that although you may be a fashion designer, although you may be a massage therapist, although you may be a doctor, whatever you may be, that's not what God called you to be first. Originally, God created man to have a relationship with him. We look at the example of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall, but from 1 to 3, we see the life of Adam and Eve. And when we look at their life, God created man. Did he create them and say, Adam, I made you to plow this ground, to dig in this dirt, to sleep with your wife, to, to name all the animals. That's your only purpose. That is your only hope. 
That is your vision. No. That is not what he called Adam to do. In the same way we can compare our lives to Adam. Okay, let's, you know, let's think about this. I have a father, right? Okay. My father gave birth to me. He wasn't thinking when I give birth to my daughter. The reason, the whole reason why I'm having a daughter is so that she can clean my house, so that she can cook my food, so that she can build my future house, and then take care of me when I'm old so I don't have to go to a nursing home. Most parents don't think like that. That's pretty kind of selfish, you know? It is kind of, some, some parents do, okay? My, my dad didn't think that, hopefully. I'm hoping that. Okay? But if anybody thinks like that, raise your hand. I didn't think so. Greek and some 
Hebrew words that are found in this verse, in verse 30 in particular. Love. Love is agape, to have strong emotion towards someone. There we go. Strong emotion towards someone. The Lord, Yahweh, the one God of the Jewish people, self-existent one, the I am. God, Theos, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Heart, Cardia, a person's passions. Soul, Psyche, the inner man. Mind, Dianoia, I can't say that one. Dianoia, thoughts and mental life. Strength, Iskus, I can't say this word. <laughs> Iskus, it's like very deep, like I don't know, weird sounding. Uh, it means physical power. So let's look at this verse again, hearing what all these words mean in the Greek. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So it's like saying have strong emotions towards the one God, the self-existent one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit with all of your passion, all of the inner part of you, every thought, and in all of your mental life, in all your physical power. Love the Lord your God in that way. That's an amazing love. That's something that is very, very difficult to do if you don't know God. But if you know God, then this is going to be, this is going to become very easy. But this is what God wants from us. He desires for us to love him. Now, two ways that we can love God is to worship him and adore him with passion and to obey his commands. We see this in the word of God in different places. Okay. First, we see uh, worship, which is proskyneo. I can't say that one too. I struggle with that one. Proskyneo, to express and respect honor. Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, talks about the angels in heaven worshiping God, calling him worthy, talking about Jesus, saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. They go on to say, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise, honor, and glory and power forever and ever. This is an example of worship in heaven. An example of adoring God with passion will be King David. In 2 Samuel verses, uh, chapter 6, verses 5, and verses 14 through 15, King David and the whole house of Israel started celebrating with all their might before the Lord. And they didn't just celebrate like, woo. They celebrated with songs, with lyres, with hearts. They went all out. They had like a full band. You know what I'm saying? One day we will have a full band up here, Lord willing, right? And then we will celebrate with all our might with like electric guitar. Well, I don't know about the neighbors liking that or not. <laughs> the other day, you know, we, we were uh, playing this gym day over here from Rudy, and it was really late at night, and all of a sudden, you know, like the neighbors, they were like, it's a little too loud. And I was like, I'm sorry, you know? And so we gotta be careful. But one day, we will have a whole band just like King David in the house of Israel, amen? Yeah. So we can adore God with passion with or without instruments. This is the same area of scripture where it says King David in, in the time where he was, uh, where the house of Israel and David were um, celebrating and adoring God. This was the same time, and I'm going to read it to you in verses 14 to 15. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts, and the sound of trumpets. 
you guys know what a linen ephod is? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> underwear. Oh. It's the olden day underwear. Like, if you were a dancer on the streets like that, it was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, Lord. Oh no, he did. Even his wife got upset and looked at him and despised him and was like, in the window, like, when you go further down in the story, she looked at him and was like, oh. Like, she had, like, almost hatred towards him. Because he was dancing without shame, living it all out, you know, like, boogieing before the Lord, and and he had no shame. And he even said in the same book, I will become more undignified than this. That's why earlier we were singing that song, and, and it goes like this, dance, come on, <laughs> dance, <laughs> because you got to learn how to worship God without any shame, like King David. The Bible says that King David was after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. This is how we can love God. We cannot be ashamed and say, oh, well, I feel like we should only be quiet in church. I feel like we should only sing quiet little hymns and no quiet and no clapping. Oh, no, that's not allowed. <laughs> oh, no, that's so distracting. And oh, no, you're raising the hands. Oh, you're too holy. You're just, you're showing up. No. That's not what the Bible says, okay? In Psalms, it says to make a loud noise to the Lord. It says that. It says that the people clap, that they jump, they make shouts, they play with all kinds of instruments, they praise the Lord. Amen. All right. An example in the Bible of congregational worship, 1 Chronicles 25, it says, David, together with the commander's army, set apart some of the sons of Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun for the ministry of prophesying, accompanied by harps, lyres, and cymbals. Here is the list of all who performed in the service. It gives a list. And then it says, all these men were under the supervision of their fathers for the music of the temple of the Lord. Excuse me? With symbols, lyres, hearts for the ministry at the house of God. Asaph, Juduthun, and Heman were under the supervision of the king, along with their relatives, all of them trained and skilled in music for the Lord. They numbered 288 people. That's a lot of people. So that shows an example of their getting ready to worship. They were approved, they were supervised, and it was all together. It wasn't just one of them. It wasn't the one-man show, which, by the way, you could do in your own bathroom at home, the one-man show before the Lord, you know? Like, you can practice your, your church dance, dances, but make sure you're not wearing a linen ephod here, okay? That will not be tolerated at all. Uh, you won't be going right out those doors. Not me, though, right away. Okay. All right. So, an example of congregational worship, amen? So, In John 4, verses 23 to 24, we see true worship. Now, some of you would say, well, isn't that true worship? Jumping around and raising your hands and and shouting. and It's not true. It's not in here. It's not true. It's not coming from the heart. You could, dude, I could jump at a concert. What, am I worshiping the band? Like, okay, you know, no, it comes from the heart. If your heart is wrong, if your heart's not adoring God, then it's not really worship. Okay, so John 4, verses 23 to 24 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. All right, the next example 
of loving God and adoring Him with passion is being lovesick for God. Go, oh. <laughs> so, if you were at the Irving campus this morning, Pastor Joel actually used this verse and used this example of being lovesick. Was anybody there at the Irving campus? One, two, three. Well, you have to be ashamed. This is your campus. I get it. Okay. <laughs> You're like four people. That's cool. I was there too. And he was like, to all you married people, get a commentary on the Song of Solomon. To all you single people, you better stay away because you ain't ready for that. that. The Song of Solomon is about a husband and a wife, and it gets in extreme detail about those in the field and them being more metaphorical and everything. And so you young people, you stay away from that. You better understand it as God loving Israel, okay? God loves Israel, that's what it means. <laughs>
to love him more than your family, love him more than a boyfriend or girlfriend, love him more than money, love him more than everything. And when he's taken over your whole life, he's taken over your whole heart, you'll feel like this woman did about this man. And it's not, it's like, I joke about it, but it's not homo for guys to love God, okay? It's not. I'm being serious. Amen. It's not wrong. Amen? Amen. You can love God like a father. You can love him. And, and the, the church is called the bride of Christ, and there's guys in the church, guys. So right. We're the bride of Christ. Usually. 
usually you you want to follow God and honor him when you realize the love that Jesus displayed to you. And in return, we should love God back, and we should choose to, to obey his commands. So in Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 16, it says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So here you see that the writer of Deuteronomy, Moses, he was saying, I put before you. I put before you. That means you have a choice. You have an option. It's either life and life and prosperity or death and destruction. Right? So to obey God is a choice. He says, I command you today to love your love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways. Obviously, because to choose destruction would lead you in a completely different direction and would be a result of you not loving the Lord your God. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. John 14, 23 says, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and he will come, he will come to him and make our home with him. Everybody say, my father will love me. My father will love me. If I obey my commands. Hey, there you go. Yeah, so, it, these verses are showing that Jesus said, your love being displayed, it's not just worship, but it's also obedience. It's also obeying his commands. And we're going to get into some of the commands, some of the areas of scripture where some commands are given. Now, I want to clarify something. As I'm saying this, this is how you love God. This is not how you are saved. The Bible says that faith, that salvation is a result of faith through grace. So you're saved by grace, not by your actions. Because you know what? All the religions in the world can tell you, pray five times, you'll be saved. You know? Um, go to church seven days a week. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that's too much for some of you, right? Now imagine, imagine if that's what God said. No, it's not through grace. It's not through what Jesus did. It's through your own deeds. How many of you would fail, like, right away? Like, I mean, I would fail. How many of you are perfect in here? Raise your hand. I didn't think so. Ah, no! Now you can write all these scriptures out. I want you to look them up. I don't want you 
want you to take me at my word. I'd rather you write it down and believe I'm a liar and think I'm crazy and you realize on your own what God's word says. All right? We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now, if you're struggling, that's absolutely normal. Okay? Every person is tempted. Now, if you keep living in sin and you can't get out of it, we will pray for you. And we'll pray for God to give you strength. So I'll tell you who I am. Okay? I've only been a Christian for seven years. All right? God has saved me by his grace. Before I was a Christian, I used to smoke. I used to drink. I used to mess around with guys. I used to be all messed up, cursing every other word. I always tell people that I used to use the F word as a subject, verb, and object of every sentence. <laughs> I'm serious. I was really messed up, all right? And I was depressed eventually because my life was so messed up. Oh, and I forgot to mention, okay? I was raised Catholic, but because of things I went through in my life, some of the things, molestation, physical abuse, um, what else? My parents neglecting me, being alcoholics. This is what I went through. This is something I actually wanted to share in the beginning, but I just remembered now. So I'm sharing with you now so you realize what God has done, what the freedom that Jesus Christ brings has done, and why I now choose to obey his commands. That's who I was, was an abused, messed up, neglected child, teenager, who turned away from God and said, no, God, you're not real. I hate you. And I turned away and turned to drinking, smoking, messing around, hanging out with gangs. Believe it or not, I know I'm white. It's hard to believe. I decided. 
to love God. I decided to worship him. I decided that I was tired of doing it my way, and I decided that I, because he loved me and gave me salvation, that I should love him back and do what pleases him. And that's when I really got set free. I haven't smoked since, I haven't drinking since. It's been seven years. I haven't smoked, drinking. Um, the only time I cursed was like when I was repeating what my father said to my mom, I was, or to one of us. And I was like, Mom, Dad said, blah, blah, blah. Oh my gosh. But since then, I've really cursed. I haven't, uh, what else? I didn't have sex before marriage. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. But now I'm married to an awesome husband. We saved it. We didn't mess up. And that's not a shame, you guys. If you messed up, God can, you know, forgive you. And he can make you new. And he can give you purity and self-control. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just trying to encourage you. Because I know so many preachers, they stand at the pulpit, but they're not right. So many preachers, they stand before many people, and they're looking hypocritical lives. I'm just trying to encourage you and let you know God can do it through you. The Holy Spirit can do it through you. You can overcome with Jesus. You don't have to wallow in yourself. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to keep turning your back on God. Amen? Amen. So... This goes on to the next point. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. Some of you would say, well, I want to obey God's commands, but it's just too hard. On your own, it's too hard. But if you let the Holy Spirit take control of your life, if you let the Holy Spirit rule and reign in your life, and you say, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, I'm ready for you to change my life. I surrender. I'm done doing it my way. That's when the strength will come. That doesn't mean that you'll never be tempted. Because even Jesus was tempted. But it means that he will always give you an exit. He'll always give you a way out. Always. The Bible promises. And it's in, in Corinthians 10. The promise is he'll always give you a way out. Amen? Amen. Obey commands. Do all that Jesus and the apostles commanded in the New Testament scriptures. All right. All right. So there's a couple other Greek words there. Um, they're not They're not really, they mean more to command. Like, hapakul and entelo have to do with commanding to submit. Okay, I just want to clarify that, but here we go. So, some examples of lists in the Bible of where God's commands are would be the Ten Commandments. Who here knows what the Ten Commandments are? Raise your hand. Okay, raise the opposite hand if you know what the Beatitudes are. Okay. The Beatitudes, I don't, like, I don't know about you guys, but I was raised in Catholic school. Like, okay, I wasn't like raised in it. I was raised Catholic, where we would go on Christmas and Easter, and when my parents felt bad, or when my mom felt bad, whatever. And um, I learned about the Beatitudes in CCD. So does anyone here know what CCD is? Raise your hand. Catechism classes. It's pretty much Catholic school to make sure you're really Catholic, okay? <laughs> and I became a real Catholic. I was raised Catholic, and I became a real Catholic even though I didn't believe in God. I know it's horrible. Um, but I learned about the Beatitudes. It pretty much it goes along like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are the meek. Blessed are, you know? You've heard of it. Raise your hands, okay? That's a list of things. And, and mind you, five through seven is more broad. It also talks about idolatry. 
talks about you being the salt and light of the world. It talks about stealing and, and judging. Yep. It talks about all those things. So you can look at that too. So you can start getting God's word in your system and understanding what he desires from you. Jesus' teachings. This is, I'm going to actually go directly to it. I have it here on my computer so that you can hear what Jesus taught. Because I feel like the Beatitudes are something that Jesus taught, but it's a lot, a lot. It's like three chapters, so you guys can read that now. But Jesus' teachings in Mark 15, for example, he says, The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. A lot of people, they hear repent and they think of those people outside of the signs that says, like, God hates you. God hates gay uh, people or whatever. They think, oh, how could they say repent? Well, guess what? Jesus said repent. Okay, it doesn't always have to do with these crazy, um, crazy judgmental Christians that are like, God hates you, you know? But repentance is a good thing. Jesus had to do it because heaven is near. You could die any day. You Judgment day could happen in the next five days. Who knows? You know, judgment day could happen at any moment. You just want to be ready, so you need to repent. Repent means to turn away from sin and return to God. Amen? That's Amen. something Jesus taught, not the guys with the signs, okay? Amen. <laughs> All right. All right, John chapter 3. This is the area in Scripture where you hear the term born again. All right? A lot of people who aren't born-again Christians, they feel uncomfortable with that. They're like, born again? What does that mean? What are they trying to tell me? Or like a Christian comes up to you and they say, oh, man, I'm a born-again Christian. You're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> who, who are you? Like, what is that? Well, where they're getting that from is Jesus, again. All right, that's in John chapter 3. And there was a Jewish man named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. And he was ashamed to come to Jesus because it was looked down upon, so he snuck to Jesus in the night and was asking him, you know, like about being saved, being born again and stuff. Um, like what like what could he do to to know God? He says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come down from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Verse three in John chapter three. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one could see the kingdom of God unless he was born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Nicodemus said. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Makes sense, right? He kind of was like using logic, like, it's a little awkward, okay? Like, how could that happen? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and of the Spirit. So he doesn't say, you know, Yes, go back to your mother's womb. No, he says you need to be born of the Spirit. He goes on to say, and of water. He goes on to say, flesh gives birth to flesh, so human to human, right? But Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teachers, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but you still, but, but still you people do not accept our testimony? And so yeah, Jesus was pretty much saying, you need to be born of the Spirit, being born again. Now I'll tell you this, when I 
was born again, I knew when it took place because it happened when I gave my whole life to Christ, as I explained, and I completely surrendered everything. I let go of everything. Not like, not completely like thoughtlessly, but because I finally realized I was wrong. So I let go of everything, and I trusted God, and when I did that, and people prayed for me, and I repented, and I wept and wept and wept, and God set me free, like, through that time of worshiping Him and crying. Through that time, God was doing something inside of me in the Spirit. That next day, when I went home, I wasn't the same person anymore. I wasn't who I used to be. I wasn't who I used to be. It was as if life was new. I walked outside, the trees were new, the grass was new, colors were new, and that's like so like cliche and stuff, but it really was for me. I mean, life was like I was born again, like everything, I appreciated life, but before I didn't, and when I was depressed and on the verge of ending my own life, and I left feeling like, wow, how beautiful, and that is when I was born again, and you know you're born again because you changed. Like, all of a sudden, changing becomes easier because you're born of the Spirit. Like, it happens after you've accepted Jesus, and just something just, whoop. I was able to stop doing all the things I was doing before. All right? Now, Luke 9.23, and also 16.13, and 22.6, says, Oh, did I miss that here, I think? Okay, 9.23, then he said to them all, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Hmm. He must deny himself? So you must deny yourself. What if Jesus came up to you and said, you must deny yourself? That's from the Bible. Luke 9.23, don't believe me, look it up. <laughs> Write it down and look it up later. He said, you must deny yourself and follow him. Take up the cross. Didn't he take up the cross? He's not saying to go hang yourself. No, he's not saying, like, go pin yourself to a cross like the people in the Philippines do. There's people that actually do it. It's really messed up. Just so you guys know. You can look it up online. Philippines, crucifixion. Really, they do. That's not what he was saying to do. He was saying, I suffered to, to, to let people know that the kingdom of heaven was near. I suffered that people may know God and obey him and love him and be born again. Would you carry that cross and follow me? Would you carry that burden of, of loving me? Would you carry that burden? Would you carry your cross? If not, he goes on to say later, if you cannot, then you are not worthy to be called my disciple. Luke 16, 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The, the other translation of money is mammon, which is a god of like wealth and prosperity. And in that day, like people worship this god because... It was about money, you know, and it was to get financially blessed. And, and what Jesus was saying is you can't serve God in financial blessing, like you can't worship money and finances. So Jesus said that also. Luke 22, 6, he consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus, hold on, I think that's a typo. Galatians, I'll go to the next one, deeds of the flesh and fruit of the spirit. There's a list of, of like sins that are common that you can look up, and that's in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 26. And it goes on to, to chapter 6 also, and you can look that up later. Paul's list of sins, Romans chapter 1, it talks about people, how, how God hands people over to their sins. Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, you can look all these up, there's a ton of them. So the point is, obey commands. 
to do all that Jesus and the apostles commanded in the New Testament scriptures. Amen? Amen. So, what's the overall point here? The question is, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? Do you realize that this is a vision that he has for you, for your whole life, to encompass your whole life? That you weren't made just to be a worker, a laborer. That you weren't just made to be whatever, you know, like just this nothing. Like some of you might feel like you have no purpose. That's not what you were made for. You were made to know God like a father, like your Lord, as your Savior. And you were made to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength through worshiping him with passion and obeying his commands. I already explained, you're not saved by worshiping him and obeying his commands. You are saved by repenting and turning to Jesus and accepting what he did on the cross. And as a result of you understanding that, you will obey him and you will love him with your life and you will worship him. Amen? Mm -hmm. All right, Chris, if you would come, please. Would everybody just stand to their feet? And uh, to honors, would you come to the front to be available for, for prayer? Everybody else who's not a 201 I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray right now. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for, for your word, God. We realize, Lord, that loving you is something that we all need to do, God. We were created first to know you, Lord. God, anybody in this room, Lord God, who's struggling, Lord God, to love you, Lord God, they feel like that, that obeying you is such a hardship, that living for you is such a mountain, then Jesus, I pray that they would come up for prayer to know you, Jesus, and to repent, Lord God, of anything they're struggling with. If anybody in this room needs prayer, our two and one leaders are here, standing here to the right of me, to offer prayer, to pray for you. It's God who's going to touch your life. They will stand in agreement with you over whatever it is that you want to ask God for freedom from. If you need freedom from any kind of sin, if you need freedom from any kind of, of, of just lack of love for God, if you don't even know Jesus, if you don't even know God, you feel in your heart, wow, I don't know God. I don't love him. I don't worship him. I don't obey his commands. And the Bible says if, if I love him, I need to obey his commands. If you know that's you and you're struggling with that in your heart, I encourage you to come to one of these leaders and ask for prayer. Jesus. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. Jesus, we want to love you with our whole heart, mind, and strength, God. Oh God. Lord, you are merciful. 
God. You are forgiving God. You are gracious God. And your blood can wash away any and all sins, Jesus. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict the hearts in this room, God. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to move, Holy Spirit, in this place. This is your house, oh God. This is your house, oh God. This is your church, oh God. Just worship God. Is you know how? 
down, if you need prayer for anything, just come up to the front and receive the prayer offered by these leaders. Just come forward, if that's you, for the next few minutes. Hallelujah, Jesus.
something pretty, pretty cool they got tossed them. And you're like, it's an honest, that's awesome too. Come and hang out. Okay. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for this day. God, we thank you for our church. God, we just are so grateful to you, God, for what you do, God. How you change our hearts, how you change our lives, how you completely blow us away, God. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would have the vision to love you in our lives so that we can have a goal of being in heaven for an eternity with you, God. Lord, I just pray you bless every person as they have to leave their own way, God. Protect them, God. I pray we see them again, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.